Hello, Nathan Foster here. Welcome once again to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. In past podcasts, we've talked about grief and suffering, but I ran across a great book that I wanted to share with you, and it's such an important topic that affects all of us and those we love at some level throughout life. So my guest this week is Beth Sleeveco. She's a spiritual director out of San Diego, California. Uh, as always, thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi, Beth. Hello. How are you? Doing great. <laughs> and you're in rainy San Diego today. It's rainy, yeah. Sprinkling, but we count. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> Take every bit you can. That's right. I absolutely love that you wrote a book with the title from a Leonard Cohen song. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes. One of my favorite songs. <laughs> he, he just died this year, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. I didn't think the man would ever die. But <laughs> I guess we all do. <laughs> you know what I yeah. love about his song, Hallelujah, is it? it's just so deeply rich spiritually, yet, I mean, he's you know, a secular artist, and it's well-loved by everyone, it, it seems. Is that your perception of it? Yeah, and he's he's Jewish with um, with a, a Buddhist, um, I guess had a long Buddhist um, uh, connection. Um, but it's so raw and perplexing, and it can't fit in any of my constructs neatly, the song, you know, and, and it just kind of represents life. For me, mm-hmm. and then it has you know this gorgeous alleluia. All this perplexity and confusion wraps into this gorgeous alleluia and this praise. So there's yeah, and it's kind of a, the the structure of the book. Um, I felt like it, it it spoke to what I wanted to say in the book that all this raw confusion and and different aspects of life that don't make any sense sometimes, but still there's. There's something there that's mm-hmm. holding it, and it's mm-hmm. praiseworthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the the title "Broken Hallelujahs: Learning to Grieve the Big and Small Losses in Life." Um, give us a, a snapshot of what you're working with uh, in this book. Yeah, so well, I'll tell you where it kind of came from. Um, really, both personal and professional, I'd mm-hmm. say. So um, personally raised in a pastor's family, very idyllic, very um, great uh, home life, um, loved by all these people of different ages in the church, and didn't really know that what to do when suffering came into my little world, very mm-hmm. idyllic little background. And, um, and so kind of having to learn that and figure that out, and not um, having a, a, a lot of people I knew that would that was showing me what to do with, with suffering and, and when things all came apart and, um, and certainly they uh, just give it to God or the platitudes, you know, we're not holding this, the suffering I was, I was feeling. So, so on my own journey, just realizing at some point, you know, I, I would prefer to go to a, a dive bar if I wanted to, to share my experiences and wanted wanted them really held and listened to than mm-hmm. than a church than a church uh, community often and that was that was a hard realization. Um, 
but also um, I became a spiritual director and started working with people listening to what God was up to in their life and mm-hmm. and trying to create space to hear that the deeper movement of of God's spirits and um, and so often somebody would say, um, well, I'm not I'm not praying as I should or often some shame kind of based um, thing they'd say and I'd listen a little little more and and um, kind of explore a little more and, and so often there was a grief underneath the surface that mm-hmm. had really been neglected and uh, minimized or, or judged as not not worthy to deal with and and realizing how much that was my own story and how much that was the story of people I was meeting with and how uh, we we don't talk enough, I think, about what to do with this very, um, you know, major part of what it is to be a human. Mm. I mean, we all experience joy and we all experience suffering and uh, we have to figure out what to do with that suffering if we want to stay uh, stay in the game, right? And mm-hmm. stay uh, fully alive and open. Mm-hmm. Did you... I mean, one of the things I really like uh, about your work is, I mean, you're writing from, you're, you're very personal in it, yet your grief is, um, it's every person's grief in a sense. I mean, obviously you had some pretty unique things happen, but it, but we all can relate at some level. Um, and so you're working with your own personal, but then also the lens of a spiritual director and these very helpful prayer exercises at the end of each chapter. But but really in this, this is about life grief and things that all of us experience. Yeah, and I try to, um, right, I mean, it is the human journey, right? We can't, we can't get, get through this place without dealing with a lot of things that are that are that hurt us mm-hmm. and that aren't as they should be and and so um recognizing um from my own journey just the need to to name them and it wasn't helping me to to not not recognize or not name what was going on and and so often i think it's the the small losses that accumulate that that create this um like depression and the sense of despair or lead to, to cynicism or lead mm-hmm. to, you know, various addictive behaviors um, um, or even just the, the numbing out behaviors mm-hmm. that are socially acceptable of, you know, social media or Netflix or, or whatever, you know, it kind of forces a disconnect. I think if we don't have a way to, to stay open. And so I, I try to name a lot of the, the own losses that I've, I've experienced, um, anything from kind of loss of innocence, loss of the way I thought the world was supposed to be, um, relational, um, losses, even losses through transitions to good things like going to college or, um, getting married or having, having children, those transitions, you know, there's always a a component of loss with Mm -hmm, any transition. mm -hmm. And I think, we don't often name those and acknowledge those, and then, well, I think when we when we are able to, it can kind of open up space for what's next. Mm-hmm. And when we're not able to, you know, I don't know how to say that. It, it feels like this this energy gets trapped within us, and it becomes mm-hmm. kind of toxic, or, or or it pulls energy away from from the good things in mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, and, there, and I also talk about. Um, different personal journeys like a, a, a fertility a long arduous fertility journey and and loss of different aspects of health with arthritis for me and then um, diabetes with my husband and 
And the main loss that I'm talking about is my brother through through brain cancer. And so that kind of loss and, and having to accept the unacceptable, which is mm. a, a definition I like of grieving. Mm. I mean, there is that sense that to be human means loss. And, and I, I like how you give attention to and, and point out the importance of acknowledging the losses, whether big or small. And that in, in a sense, that's how we continue on, that kind of shutting it out or hiding away is not fruitful um, for people. Yeah. Yet socially, this is just backwards. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> right. Grieving is completely socially unacceptable thing to do or you know we have like one year right if it's <laughs> Get a really big grief you know um and mm-hmm. then we're supposed to be done but uh but we all know that's not true and mm-hmm. i think when we get honest we all know you know minimizing it or ignoring it um it doesn't serve anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't help anyone. it makes it worse that's my yeah. experience would you agree? Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And sometimes we need to, you know, take a vacation, I think, from, you know, something, if, if, if a loss has occurred, it, it often feels like a, a gut punch, right? Like, we just reel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we need to take a little break. Um, and so that's not saying, you know, we always have to jump in and, and, and figure out everything and deal with everything as healthy as possible. Um but there, it's different, you know, taking a break or, or catching our breath or, um, you know, numbing out for a time period and then coming back into life and then reconnecting with ourselves and reconnecting with other people, reconnecting with God. You know, that's different than just ignoring and letting that numb mm-hmm, distance mm-hmm. us from, you know, really from our heart and from everything that is important in mm-hmm. life. There, there is that tension, isn't there, that we, we need to acknowledge it. It, it work, walk through things, but yet not get lost in it. And and there is a a broken hallelujah in there somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, and and um, like I I I always say, um, this is not about going grief hunting, right? We we don't need to like go and figure out every way we've ever ever been hurt, or um, you know, mm-hmm. every past relationship, or something like. Let's go, let's go find this and and open it up. What I think um is important is um learning to to welcome what's there mm. and sometimes what's there are is a as a broken heart or what's there is a really confused mind because things aren't happening the way we thought they're supposed to or a real trust that's been broken or a real um you know faith that's been um kind of left left the building when we've sensed that God's presence with us has left the building through whatever circumstance um, has occurred. And, and so um, there's no need to go chasing things, um, but, but to, to be able to welcome um, notice and acknowledge and, and welcome what's there. And, and sometimes, you know, that oftentimes I think takes the help of a, another person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Right. I I talk a lot about traveling companions and our need to to have people in our life who who aren't trying to fix us or change mm-hmm, us or pull mm-hmm. us out of whatever pit we're in, 
us, but who can be be present with us in in whatever we're going through, um, and uh, and help give us courage to to stay open mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. dealing with. So, you know, and I, I think like I meet with a, a number of people that uh, experience depression in, in different ways or have um, propensity for addiction and things like that, and. I think that is important to to recognize part of part of welcoming what's there is is recognizing you know if if I have a tendency towards depression, then it would be wise for me to welcome what's there in the context of a counseling session, mm-hmm, for example, mm-hmm. some kind of safe container where it doesn't just feel like I'm slipping into an abyss that I'm not going to be able to come out of. Because, you know, there's been a darkness I've experienced before, you know, so it can look a lot of different ways. Um, or if I know addiction is is something I'm, I deal with, then I'm going to explore the griefs I'm dealing with, you know, in a 12-step group mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. with a sponsor that's checking in and, and not, you know, alone at night in my darkness, you know, <laughs> when I'm going to want to just, you know, use whatever it is yeah. that keeps me out of that kind of pain. So, um you know, there's a wisdom to mm-hmm. to know who we are and 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 know what we need to stay open yeah. to life, right? <laughs> right, not do it alone. And yeah. it, interestingly enough, on the flip side, uh, obviously, when people are experiencing griefs, uh, particularly in big griefs, you know, you need those traveling companions. But the honor of getting to be a traveling companion with someone else, and how inevitably when we are available to others experiencing grief, um, how helpful that is mm. and how much we learn by uh, being with others in their suffering. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I just uh, I just ended a direction session before our talk and mm-hmm. um, the person thanked me and said, you know, this has been so rich and helpful. And I, you know, very sincerely said, oh, thank you. You don't you don't know how much for me to be able to watch somebody else dealing, you know, honestly and open, mm-hmm. openly with what's going on in their lives really gives me courage to deal with what's going on in my own life. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's this, there's this real gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be able to be that for somebody else. And yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Definitely. You, you you had an exercise in the book that I found so helpful um, where where you said, let's see if I can get this right, place in one hand what's not. And, you know, kind of prayerfully before God, you know, this is my grief. This is what's, you know, messing with me right now. And, and then in the other hand, a sort of acceptance of uh, a kind of, what can be. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. My friend Maggie uh, is a spiritual director. She helps, helps people do this. And I've used this a lot myself and with others. Yeah. So it's kind of thinking about, I mean, that's the tension. That's the tension. I think we're all called to hold. That's the part of the journey of the spiritual life. I think is that we're called to hold what is Mm -hmm. just in its raw honesty, whatever it is. Um, And, and, what what should be what we hope for so um and to give up either one uh is not is not living fully it's not what we're mm. it's not what we're called to do right <laughs> it's living kind of a false reality and and saying well this person will be whole and this person will be healed and everything will be fine and that's kind of living in a kind of a pie in the sky sort of 
spirituality, or we disconnect from the vision of what should be and the hope of what mm-hmm. should be and the longing for what should be. If we disconnect from that, then we're just holding the 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 darkness that is the thing mm-hmm. that we you know the the pain or that whatever it is the the uh, and then that's where cynicism I think comes in uh, hopelessness. Um, if this is all there is, then we go into that thinking of, then it's just going to get worse. You know, if my health is just going to get worse, more friends are going to die. Um, you know, aging, aging parents or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, but that's the hard, that's the hard task, right? Of holding both. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to be aware as Christians when we're, when we're holding both. I mean, the image for me is that I am holding both and I'm resting, in the lap of God who is holding mm-hmm. who's underneath me and, and behind me. Mm-hmm. And it's also really the image of, of the cross. Yeah. You know, there's this, there's this deep um, uh, sacrifice, this deep penetration of being willing to hold. There's a deep dying to yourself because your mm-hmm. ego self does not want to hold. These, this is way too complicated for the <laughs> ego self to hold, right? <laughs> it has to be this deeper, spiritual, truer part of our part of our being that can, uh, yeah. Do you think some of this, I was just thinking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if this cup mm. could pass. I mean, yes. I mean, was he holding, uh, I'll, I'll do it, I'm here. Yeah. But I don't oh, want to do great, this. No, that's a great, that's a great uh, scriptural you know, word image of what we're talking about. Yeah, Jesus doing that. Yes, I'm here. I believe there's more to this, but I do not. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I want to be about. Really feeling that pain. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. and then but trusting. And, yeah, and then and then this acceptance of what what is and mm. um, but, and ultimately though, apart. I mean, into ordinary life that brings great freedom. When we open to what is unfolding in the present. Uh, is when God can transform that. It's when it's mm-hmm. where transformation is possible. When we close to it, we just keep things stuffed and disconnected mm-hmm. from any hope of, of transformation. So to me, it's really important to get straight kind of what what's my part and what's God's part mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and really put responsibility on God for God's part is the way I say that. Not try to take over God's part of it. And so the way I see it is my part is to open up as best I can to find ways to stay open and present to what mm-hmm. to what's going on. And of course that's easy when what's going on is joyful and and, and life giving and energizing and makes sure, we do it then, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I'm present with that. But it's hard when what's going on is, you know, it hurts hurts yeah. me and confuses me and, and brings me fear and anxiety and despair and all those things. So so my part is finding ways to stay open and acknowledging, opening up to what is. And it's God's part to come and tend to me in mm. that, to give me what I need in that, to heal, to convict, to restore, to rest to you know mm-hmm. open up my thinking in new ways mm-hmm. um, and that's that's something I can't control mm-hmm. right so it's it's very vulnerable mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
and it's something I can't, you know, the timing is never, ever, ever <laughs> the timing I want it to be. You know, talk about 11th hour. I'm like, oh, Lord, <laughs> you got to be kidding. <laughs> so often in, in those times where I'm trying to stay open, I mean, my prayer is, you know, God, throw me a bone. And mm. This is just, this is just too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the Psalms. I mean, that's, oh yeah. man, those laments are, are so helpful in mm-hmm marching orders, you know, what what to do when the chair's been pulled out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rests, and we just feel like we're falling and flailing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think I've, I've talked about similar things in podcasts before, but I, I, I love how in those Psalms, there always seems to be some resolution, even if, it, but it feels a genuine of, uh, they often end with this but you're on the throne, but you yeah. care, but you're, you know, these beautiful resolutions of acceptance. Um, eventually. Eventually, I yes. We don't know the timing <laughs> on that. Because it is, there's a shift in almost all of the laments. And I love the way Walter Brueggemann, I really use how he journeys with the Psalms and, and, and talks about those laments as, you know, that the structure is the people of Israel, the, for whatever reason, they feel like God has left the building. God is mm-hmm. not protecting them. God is not providing for them the way they believed God promised to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're lost. And, um, and But those Psalms, they're still facing God. And our natural response, I think, is to turn our back. We feel like God has mm-hmm. turned God's mm-hmm. back on us. So we, but if we can stay facing the situation and stay facing God, and so they all, you know, that the opening is, Oh God, you know, and it's often some personal God that they're addressing. And then it's just that raw emotions and that rant and that request, mm-hmm. you know, very clear with absolutely no, what we call in sociology, women speak, you know, it's not like, Oh God, do this, please. But I know you know best. And, but if you're so kind, would you, would you please, you know, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, um, where are you? I'm in a pit. Why have you deserted me? Mm-hmm. God, you need to do this and you need yep. to do it now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then, like you said, something changes and the whole tone of it changes. So there's a quality that something has happened and mm-hmm. God has either changed the circumstances or changed the heart mm-hmm. of the person mm-hmm. praying or, or both. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think it's significant that it, that only comes after the, the gut-wrenching pouring out. The pouring out. The, mm-hmm. Do you even care? Where are you? Um, and, then, and then something beautiful, a broken hallelujah, <laughs> comes. Yeah. Starting, starting where you're at, the, uh, one of my favorite, uh, pray, pray as you can, not as you can't, Dom mm, yes. Chapman. So that, and I think in my my book I take that and I say you know grieve as you can not as you can't yeah. but that is you know praying where we where you are and so often at least for me it has to be pouring out all that discontent and all mm-hmm. that toxicity and all that confusion and that and it has to start there and so many of the prayer practices that I found helpful for me and some of them I. I mentioned like going on a nature walk, you know, how, what helps us pour out, um, first of all, permission to pour out. And those Psalms mm-hmm. certainly give us permission and say, you know, I mean, this was Jesus's prayer book, right? It's not mm-hmm. just permission, but like, this is a great way to do it. And they're, you know, definitely pouring out. But 
so oftentimes when I'm in a place where I, you know, when grief hits, I don't know what to do with it. I'm, I'm certainly not a grief expert. My friends would probably say I'm pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually I come around, you know, I just react in whatever way I react. But eventually I come around and often what helps me is going on these nature walks or if there's no nature around, just taking a walk out my front door and walking in one direction and and pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, whatever I'm feeling without judgment, mm-hmm, without censorship. Mm-hmm. I had to really train myself, particularly as a Christian woman, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just train myself to not judge every single thing that I say or do, but just let it pour out to God as an act of intimacy. And then when I felt like I prayed myself empty, mm-hmm. I'd stop. Then I stop and I turn around. <laughs> and when I come back, I I try to practice receptivity mm-hmm. uh, and open my ears and open my senses and open my eyes and just see if there's something that touches me through, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I all of a sudden start noticing these red flowers everywhere and I, and I, I, I receive it mm-hmm. uh, or, or a thought comes in or, or something like that. So that kind of really that listening mm-hmm. and that open mm-hmm. spirit, but I can't do that when I'm so full of whatever hurt I've just received, mm-hmm. whatever shame I'm, I'm experiencing, or I can't, I can't be open. So I have to let that all come out of me in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, what I love about grief is, is it opens the door for prayer to become the most honest spaces we can inhabit. Mm. And, and, and that's just beautiful. I mean, I sometimes will think if if I look back over the pieces of who I am that I uh, like the most, they're all born out of suffering. Mm. You know, they're all have their roots somewhere in situations that oh, just awful. Um, yeah, but God's good. Like, I mean, that's just there's something really beautiful in that of creating beautiful things out of. Messes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, suffering just takes all the BS out of the room, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it, it just, yeah. you know, is such a raw thing. And I, I think, you know, for whatever reason, suffering and and beauty just mm. uh, can wake us up into this reality that God has for us more than anything else. I mean, I, I always wish it was just a book I can read. I can read, <laughs> right? You know, and I try. I try all the time. What's the book that will make this, you know, confusion in my marriage go away? Or what's the book that will, you know, sure. <laughs> make, make this discontent or, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I do those walks, too, where I, I head out and I'm not turning around until I'm done. You know, I think you mentioned the book about walking on a beach and, you know, and then, ah, and, and to me, there's something so significant of, okay, now I'm going back and it's this turning, this shift of, you know, some response after I've poured it out. Yes. Um, it's interesting. Um, and maybe go a little lighter on it. Cause I think, I mean, everyone at some point experiences, I think experiences significant loss um, and uh, or, or at, at a minimum those they love do. Um, but there's also, and, and you attend to this, which I think is really helpful, is the little losses. 
And I, I developed a practice in, in teaching. So I used to teach at university. Sometimes when I'd have a class that was really, you know, small class, they'd gotten to know each other, and it was just a really, you know, beautiful experience. The last class I'd come in and I'd say, well, this will be no more forever. And and it's my way of opening up a discussion for the grief. There's a loss here, and in order to have a new experience, you have to let go of an old experience. But what struck me through the years of doing that is, one, how people struggle with that statement. I mean, it's almost like they want to disagree with it of, oh, no, we're all going to be friends, or we'll see you in this other class or that. And I'll, oh, yes, of course, but it won't be like this. This mm. is ending. Um, now, personally, for me, I just find that kind of thing so helpful to go, it's ending, and and acknowledge the grief, and then we let it go. Huh? Does that does that sound right to you? Yeah, I and I feel both. You know, I feel that like, oh, it's so. I don't want to let these experiences go. You know, when they're so powerful, and and you know, you're together in these different communities. But but yeah, that that there's so much we're called to let go of that we're not ready to let go of or we don't want mm-hmm. to let go of or something in our nature to cling to or, you know, create the stability or the consistency. Um, but that's not, that's not the way growth works at the way, mm-hmm. the way life works. That's not how it unfolds. And so I think, you know, even you saying that presenting that so much of what we're called to do is release mm-hmm. and, and let go and, those are muscles that, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I just cringe when I hear, you know, because those are muscles are, that still aren't, you know, well developed in me, but it's certainly where God is, you know, has me working on, you know. Yeah. You know what's in, in the last year or so, the, the verse where Jesus says, it's better that I go. Right? Is that yeah. something like that? Where he's saying <laughs> to the disciples, this is good that I'm going. And, mm. um, but to think about that sometimes these losses are good. They need to. They need to end uh, in order for something new to come about. Mm-hmm. Yet it's painful. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we're powerless to it. I think that's what mm. hits the deepest for me when I get yeah. under under the surface of my fear and my need to control and all of this is that you know the things that are the most important in my life. Um, you know, which would be my my children and mm. and my husband and and health and my loved ones and you know those are the things we have no control mm. over, <laughs> the things we want to desperately control and and <laughs> you know the most and that's a scary reality mm. and I think we do a lot in our culture and our society and our own psychologies to keep away from that mm-hmm. that truth. Mm-hmm. Now, Beth, I think you're right. The um Ultimately, the powerlessness is oftentimes, which is so difficult when there's just we're feeling so lost in it. I was I was working this week with this verse in First Peter five uh, says says humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that He might exalt you in due time. And then the next one, which people know, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. But I was thinking about how. Uh, it's in that place uh, that humility to cast the anxiety that in casting your anxiety mm. is us letting go of, of us letting go of our control. Uh, I can't mm. do this anymore. I'm, you know, I can't touch it. 
here it's yours. But in order to do such, it requires this humility to humble ourselves yes. to give it away. Yes. I love the, the Benedictine understanding of humility as um, really recognizing and embracing our human limitations and, you know, saying, I can't do everything and I don't have energy to save the world, and I can't be all things to all people, and <laughs> and all of this kind of thing, and and so it's recognizing that we were created very dependent. I mean, if not very productive mm. model, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, really. I mean, where we have to shut down, you know, a third of our existence, you know, to sleep every eight hours or whatever a day, you know, that's not very productive. And just such limitations with our with our skin, you know, we can only be in one place at one time and and things mm-hmm. like that. And yet so much of my background and so much of my culture, both, you know, the American culture, but also my church culture, works against that understanding of humility mm-hmm. and says kind of, I think, in a lot of ways, do more, be more mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Than, than really I am. And we've really gone you know, quite far away from that Sabbath concept of, no, you know, I, I need to shut down and lay fallow and realize that I'm not, I'm not running this place, right? That, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what that Sabbath idea is, both to rest and restore myself, but, but also to just realize the world still goes on, <laughs> even if I stay, or even if I don't check my texts for a day, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> just to wean myself from all those things that says I have to be responsible and ca- mm-hmm. I'm carrying mm-hmm. and I'm doing it all. So, so yeah, to how to, how to recognize that place of created dependency mm-hmm. and embrace, mm-hmm. I think is, mm-hmm. is humility and recognizing we're really partnering with somebody that's mm-hmm. got us, that's mm-hmm. holding mm-hmm. us, that's bigger, bigger than us. And, and I think that's, um, that's the only answer to that that fearful realization that um, I can't control the things that matter the most mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm. is that uh, God is already present there. Mm-hmm, God is mm-hmm. already there. And I think one of my favorite verses is um, or the section from Mark 4, um, 35 through 38, about Jesus in the storm in the boat mm-hmm. and the disciples are scared to death and, and they're full of fear. And, you know, of course they are. They're, they're darn near drowning. <laughs> you, know, you know, in, in the Mark version I like, cause Jesus is not just asleep. Jesus is asleep on the cushion. And there's <laughs> yeah. something about being like in comfort, <laughs> something about that. that just feels like it's, it's just adding to the, to the point of the story. But, um, but when I read that, the word that popped out was already that, mm. um, and it, it really changed my whole, um, my whole theology. It really kind of woke up my theology to, to say, okay, Jesus is already present. And so what am I doing to open and to recognize that presence and to mm. realize that presence and to release to that presence? And because Jesus is already present, I can let go mm-hmm. of my need for control and my need to know everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you know, but when I forget that, 
that's when I get, you know, things all messed up, which is pretty much 99% of my day. But it's 1% of my day. I can remember, you know. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. The, you know, don't you care? We're going to die. And, and he just is like, oh, what's the problem, guys? <laughs> like, um, this is yeah. something beautifully mysterious to me about it. Um, but learning to let go. I was already there. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So we can, we can be called, you know, Jesus might be saying, you know, come here, come here, lay down with me in this cushion right here <laughs> in the middle of this crazy storm that is so confusing to you and so anxiety producing. Come here and lay down and go to sleep with me, you know, because <laughs> I can calm this thing or I can do whatever I want to. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, it's, as, as we close things up, I'd be remiss if I didn't um, talk to you about surfing. Oh, come on, let's talk. <laughs> Do you still surf? Twice a week. Twice yeah. a week. Yeah. Um, tell, tell me what's helpful for you about surfing. Oh, everything. I'm such a better Christian when I surf. <laughs> <laughs> My husband will be the first to say that. I'm a better wife. I'm a kinder person. <laughs> You know, most of it is just, uh, it's not, in, it's not an understanding in my head, but if I, if I had to put words on it, there's something about being engaged in elements that are so much beyond me, so much bigger than me and th that humility, right? Mm -hmm. I can't control the waves, you know, I can barely control the dance that I get to do on the surfboard and, and, uh, and sometimes they're too big and I stand on the shore and I'm in awe and watch, uh, you know, watch her temper. <laughs> and, um, but, but most days I get to jump in there and, and be held in this amazing liquid universe. And, and I do, I have a, I have a practice I've begun. I think I began it during this long journey when, when Mark was dying and there was about five years and we were losing our business and I had these two little kids and everything was just crazy. I didn't have energy for any of it. And I, I felt the scarcity, you know, everywhere, um, emotional and financial and physical and mental and just being able to handle this, this situation. And I, I started this, I kept myself in the ocean. I knew, I knew enough to do that. And I started floating, practicing floating. So every mm. time I'd go out there, I'd go past the, past the breakers and I would just get off my board and I'd, I'd lay there with my, my arms wide open and just feel and it was scary to me. Mm -hmm. There's this was a vulnerable position, right? And but feel the ocean hold me, mm. and really, I just practice this kind of, you know, trust. Like I'd say, you know, if I said anything, God, I don't, you don't feel present to me. I don't know where you are in this mess of circumstances, but I want my body to feel you holding me. I try to trust. And, and so that I still do. I still do that. I don't, everybody probably thinks I'm weird. What's this gal doing out there? <laughs> floating? <laughs> so you go out there and just lay here. I am. And just for a few moments. Yeah. yeah. But it. It, that physical is, you know, I, and we, so much of loss we carry a grief we carry in our bodies. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so our, uh, but our bodies can, can help us open up and tend to what's going on in, in ways I think our brains just get incredibly unhelpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> with, you know, any, any way I can kind of 
circumvent my my left my chatty bossy judgmental left brain i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm good <laughs> i i knew surfing would fit it, i knew it all tie in <laughs> well you you know it through through being in nature through through your mountain climbing i think i mean that yeah. really resonated to me as something that it just shifts something and that's important mm-hmm. to have shifted you just by getting out there and I have a feeling it's similar. Yeah. Or do oh, you yeah. Uh, no, but but I just moved to Florida and it's it's on my wish list to learn to surf. I've I've done it once and I just was like this is amazing. So I'm I'm very excited to You know what it is, Beth? I just want to be in the ocean. Mm. I mean I I mean I sure would like to be able to stand up and ride in, but I just want to be a part of the the smell, the feel the um so this is my uh new goal in life is to learn to surf so (laughs) beautiful (laughs) hey beth this is just great thank you so much for sitting down and chatting today oh well thank you nate this has been a, a treat well there you have it what a joy to get to talk with beth again her book is broken hallelujahs Learning to Grieve the Big and Small Losses. That's published by InterVarsity Press. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.